Oh, okay, it's it's late. Let's get settled so that we can do what we need to do and rest. Okay. All right. Now the other guys are just gonna come in and and join us. All right. Good evening to everyone. Good evening. Praise praise be to God for the time that he is appointed for us to gather around Shingarai but even more to gather around there in the context of Christ Jesus. And I believe everybody knows by now that I'm a gospel preacher. And we need to speak to the matter that we have at our hands at a higher dimension, at a different dimension, so that we are not drowned by our own lack of ability, our own lack of understanding. To go to the level where God is and what he has spoken about the end of man, the life of man, what really is happening. And for that, we have to go to the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the word of God and it is sufficient for our learning and practice as those who believe in Christ. So we're going to go to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews 2, 5 to 18. This is what the text says. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might test death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Verse 12, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am and the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, 
and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. And we could have two, three titles out of this text, but I'm going to go with two titles. Number one title is, Why Did Jesus Become a Man? Why Did God Become a Man? And number two title, which will be very helpful, is, He is Able. He is able. Let's go before the Lord and ask for his blessing upon his word. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you as your people who are in need of your strength, of your grace, of your wisdom. We thank you for this season that you have appointed for us to come around the person of Christ, but in the context of what is happening to our beloved sister, Shingarai. Lord, we come very needful, we come very weak, even more so, Shingi is very weak, Lord, we are not telling you anything that you do not know already, for you are the sovereign, you are the one who has given life to us, and even to Shingarai, and we pray for grace to abound towards us, as it should abound to Shingi, because of Christ Jesus, may you cause us to hear what you would have us to hear and understand and to learn and trust you for who you are, for we have nowhere else to go. To whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. May you hear us for the sake of Christ. And it is in his precious name we pray. It is important for us to note that the Lord has gathered us together in the context of Shingi's sickness. And we shall not have hope, comfort, or peace unless we go beyond the sickness itself. Unless we go beyond the fear of death. We must go beyond what is sin to that which is unseen. We have to go beyond what we are seeing when we go to see her in her room at the hospital. We have to go beyond that. Because sickness and death are not things that just happen because we get old or we did not eat the right food. Young people do get sick. That's why they have the children's hospitals. And they also die. Just as do old people. So there's more to human sickness suffering and ultimately death that than what many people understand it is more than as i said than just poor nutrition and we must understand that what has happened is coming from 
beyond what we see. What is happening and will happen is beyond anything that we have power to control. We must understand why things have happened this way. And when and if we do, by God's grace, I pray we shall find joy. We shall find comfort and peace in our tribulations. We shall be rejoicing at the life of Shingrai and not be mourning it. We are supposed to rejoice. And that is say, the situation is not hopeless as it may appear to us in our flesh by the looking of the ordinary eye. The, situa- the situation is not as helpless as it looks to us. This will end well, no matter how bad it feels and looks to us for now. It ends well. And for us to get understanding, it is important that we really know and understand what God has taught about the matter of salvation. Because it is very easy to talk about things around God and Jesus, but without understanding the real issues. We must understand that God has a purpose in Christ. And the purpose of God is to glorify Christ Jesus. And in glorifying the Son, God is glorified. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus, shall be glorified and has been glorified in the salvation of his people. A salvation, not from debt, not from paying our mortgages. A salvation from sin, death and condemnation, those are the issues. But we need to know what came first. Because many have never heard of it. It is not sin that came first. It is God who came first. It is God's glory that came first. Because God has always been there from eternity. God has always existed. So it is Christ who came first. The Bible tells us that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He brackets all of eternity. From the beginning of eternity, which has no beginning, to the end of eternity, which has no end, Christ is the one who is on both ends. So sin came later, and so did death, and so did sickness, but not by accident. You need to know that, that this is not happening by accident. It came by God's purpose that Christ Jesus would be praised, would be glorified in the salvation of his people, in the taking away of the things that would destroy his people. The name of Christ has been praised. So God shall be praised. 
for the riches of his grace and mercy. And that cannot happen apart from sin, from sickness, from death, and condemnation. Now, we have to understand what it means to be saved. To be saved in the gospel, in the Bible, means to be removed from the power of sin. From the power of sin, which is death and condemnation. To be saved means to not be condemned for any of your sins of all time. I had that conversation with Shingrai tonight. We read a text that we shall look at later in our message. And I explained these things to her. And she agreed with them. So to be saved means to be accepted by God in Christ. God has accepted you in Christ. It means to be called a child of God adopted in Christ. To be saved means to have the life of Christ that cannot be taken away. It means to be possessed by Christ himself. To be possessed by God. And as Jesus said, the one who believes in him shall not die. That's John 11. The one who believes in me shall not die and shall not come into the judgment of condemnation because of their sin. They shall not come into judgment. That's good news. <laughs> because the last time I checked, I'm a very big sinner. I'm a very big sinner. And even when I have tried not to sin, I still find myself falling back to the same patterns of sin. So who shall deliver me? And then Christ comes and says, the one who believes in me shall not come into the judgment of condemnation. So to be in Christ, to be saved, means to have a life that cannot be destroyed, not by sin, not by sickness, not by death, not by the devil. It's life that cannot be destroyed. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus means. This life, Adam could not give us, could not give you. This life, the law could not give us. This life, no doctor, no medicine or hospital can give or take away. This life cannot be given by another man and cannot be taken away from you by another man, not by any medicine. This life is the life of God in Christ. That means a conversation has to change. From trying to seek life in things that have no life in themselves. They have no life to give. Madison Hospital has no life to give Shingrai. Even if she was there for another million years, it has no life to give to her. 
they have no life to give. Because life does not belong to the hospital. Life belongs to Christ Jesus. Hear what Jesus said in John 10, 27 to 30. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, pay attention. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone Snatch them out of my hand. Not a single person is able to snatch Shingarai from the hand of Christ. There's not a single thing that is able to do that. That's what Jesus said. And then he continues, verse 29, he said, My Father who has given them to me, that's God the Father, is greater than all. God the Father is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and my Father are one. Christ Jesus is the giver of eternal life. And eternal life cannot be taken away. (laughs) Shinki possesses eternal life. It's life that cannot be taken away. I need to understand this. That's the only way we're going to change our conversation around the matter of sickness. Here again from Jesus. John 17. 1 to 3. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him and this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent Christ alone has authority or power over all flesh did you hear that? that's what he said Christ said The Father has given him power, authority over all flesh. And that means that power belongs not to sin, not to sickness, not to cancer, not to death. Christ alone possesses that power. Christ alone was appointed to give eternal life to as many as were given him by the Father. All those that belong to Christ, who believe the gospel of Christ, have eternal life. Eternal life does not begin when you die. You already possess it. By virtue of definition, it's eternal life. It does not begin afterwards. You already possess it. So Christ has a people that were given him by the Father before the foundation of the world. And those that were given him are they who believe the gospel. The gospel that I'm now declaring to you, which Shingi has believed, she has heard it. We have 
had conversation around it with me even last night and tonight. I talked to her gospel matters. And she agrees with all that God has spoken to the matter of Christ and salvation. That's good news. That's very good news. Because you and I cannot cause Shingrai to believe that. No amount of teaching, no amount of talking would cause her to do that. Only God has caused her to have the testimony of Christ Jesus. So that's very good news for us. So with that, we'll go to our text of Hebrews for more understanding of what is going on. Because we have to come out of this with more joy and more confidence that all is well. Hebrews 2, again, is our text. And beginning at verse 5, the writer of Hebrews says, For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. The writer of Hebrews Speaking of God's purpose in crisis, God has not put the world to come in subjection to angels. The world to come is the gospel world that Christ Jesus will usher in. It is the world of those who are the redeemed of Christ. And the background of that is that there were some among the Jewish community, the Jews, who taught and believed that the world to come would be in subjection to angels. And he says, no, that is not God's plan. But I want you to see that there's the world to come. There is a world to come. And that means this world and all that we see in it and all that we experience in it is not it. This is not the final place for us. Something new and better is coming as Isaiah already prophesied in Isaiah 65, 17 to 19. I'll just go and read Isaiah. says, God says through Isaiah, For behold, I create new heavens, and a new earth. And the former shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. This is the new world to come. The voice of weeping shall not be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. That's the new Jerusalem. In Apostle John, in the book of Revelation, in the island of Patmos, in his vision, he saw the same and said, Revelation 21, 1 to 6. This is what Apostle John, when he was opened to the heavens by God, this is what he saw. Now I saw a new heaven 
and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. And that means there were no more enemies. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Did you hear that? That's God speaking. The former things have passed away. No more pain, no more death, no more suffering. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end. I'll give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. These words are faithful and true. Those are just remarkable words of comfort. These words are faithful and true. The former things have passed away. He will make all things new. So do not be weeping for the old because the old has to pass away. The old has no hope for us. There's no comfort for us. There's no life for us. Behold, he makes all things new. So this new world to come will not be subject to angels, but to whom then did he subject the new world? Verse 6, Hebrews chapter 2. But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? The certain place in reference here is Psalm 8. And now the Holy Spirit tells us that this truth was already prophesied about in Psalm 8 and said, What is man that God should be mindful of him? Or the son of man that you should take care of him. Why should God have an interest in you knowing who you are? And knowing who God is who doesn't need anything. God does not need anyone. He does not need food. He does not need need. And God do not go in the same sentence. God is self-sufficient in himself. But he is minded the children of men. Why should God have an interest in man, given our lowly nature, given our weakness? Why should God have interest in people who get sick? See, the lowly condition of man, verse 7, you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. Man was made a little lower than the angels. And that means there are levels in the order of nature. God is the highest. There's no one like him. And then angels come after him. 
And then we come after the angels. And yet, it is man, it is the children of man that God has crowned with glory and honor and set them over the works of his hands. Let's keep hearing. Verse 8, Hebrews 2, He have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. God has put everything on earth in subjection to man as he commanded in Genesis. That's why you see lions will run away from a man who is just holding a stick. How is that even possible? Where does the lion get the fear from? The fear was put in it by God. God has put fear of man in his creatures. But hear this, Genesis 1, 26-28, this is when God first spoke about this in the creation account. Genesis 1, 26-28, Moses recorded for us and said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over all, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So that was God's command and decree that we are to have dominion over his creation. But the writer says, God commanded that man should have dominion over all his creation. But somehow, we do not seem to see things as being totally subject to us. What is happening then? Did God fail? What man was God talking about? What man? Who is this man that God was talking about? Is it us or there's some other man in view? Because the text says God left nothing that was not subject to this man. But now we do not see all things put under him. That is how we look at things. It does not look like this man who was given dominion has things under total control. It doesn't look like this man has his ducks in a row. It doesn't look like it. It seems like things are happening that should not be happening. It seems like people are getting sick who are not supposed to be getting sick. Where is this man, if he really has dominion over all things of God's creation, where is he? Is he sleeping? Is he ignorant? Does he not have enough information about what is happening in God's creation? Is he truly in control, whoever this man is? Who is this man 
Hebrews 2 9. But we see Jesus, <laughs> who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might test death for everyone. Okay? So this man who was given charge is not us. It is Christ Jesus. Jesus is he whom God was preaching in Adam and was preaching in Psalm chapter 8. It is he who was made a little lower than the angels of which God uses us to preach the testimony of Christ Jesus. And that means Christ Jesus had a nature and even now has a nature that is greater than that of angels. Before he came, Jesus pre-existed his coming to earth. Jesus always existed as God. That's the testimony of John chapter 1. He was and is the word of God. He was in the beginning with God, was with God, and is God. And he created all things. So he is and was the Logos, the voice of God, who tabernacled among us. That's John 1 verse 14. So Jesus is God incarnate, and that means God in the flesh. And anyone who denies that testimony of who Christ is does not know God. And they're still in their sins. Because when you know and believe the testimony of Christ, it means you've passed from death unto life. But that testimony does not come by your choice. It's God-given testimony. God is he who comes to you and gives you testimony of his own son. So he was made a little lower than the nature of angels means he added human nature to himself. He became a man Christ was made a little lower and that I believe is speaking also to the duration or time of his humiliation when he took up human nature and suffered and died and resurrected and went back to glory. The life of Christ in the flesh in Palestine was about 33 years old. 33 years, a little lower, only for the duration of 33 years, and he accomplished the work that God sent him to do, and after that he was exalted to the right hand of power of majesty on high. But why was Jesus made a little lower than the angels? He was already in an exalted state as God, and that from eternity. So why humiliate himself with human nature and his weakness? The text tells us why. It says for the suffering of death. So I need you to be thinking about this because that's the subject of the text and what I, by God's grace, seek you to understand. Why God came in the flesh for the suffering of death. This is why Jesus became man. But we need to understand what that means. 
He came not for the suffering of being thirsty, not of the suffering of the scorching heat of the desert of Palestine, not the suffering of wearing flip-flops in the desert. He came not to heal people from sickness. I need you to understand this. Jesus did not come to heal people from sickness. Because that he could do from heaven. Jesus could easily do that from heaven. Yes, he did heal people from sickness, but that was not his mission. He came for the suffering of death. And that means Christ came to die. So Jesus proved that he had taken a nature lower than that of the angels because he submitted himself to death. Angels do not die. And, excuse me. Angels do not die a physical death. Only the flesh dies a physical death. Only those things connected to Adam die in the flesh. But Christ came to die. I need to know that. Christ came to die. Christ came to connect with our flesh that dies so that he too would experience death. Because God does not die. God does not die. And if Christ Jesus does not add humanity, human flesh to himself, then he cannot die. And that means you and I will be hopeless. There will be no hope for you and I whatsoever. If God himself does not come and die, there's no hope for you. Like zero. God has no hands and feet. God does not eat McDonald's to live, as I said. God is spirit and he has life in himself. Our life comes from him, but he possesses life in himself. And Christ Jesus has assumed the nature of man, the nature of sinless man. And that for a purpose. A purpose that was established by God from eternity. It was not by accident that Jesus came to Palestine. That Jesus came and died. God's purpose was always for Christ to come and die. Because that is the only way that eternal life could come. Could be given to his people to those who are lower than the angels, those who are lower than the angels do not possess life in themselves. There's nothing that they can do to possess the life of God because only God has life in himself. Do you understand me? So sin was necessary and so was death. You have to understand the connection of these things. Sin was necessary. This is all we could be apart from Christ dying. Sinners, we would remain forever 
under the power of death and condemnation, and that means in hell. That's the only option for sinners. I need you to hear me clearly on that. But Christ, the Son of Man, made lower than the angels, came and died. And the text says, this Christ has now been crowned with glory and honor. That's where he is, in the place of glory and honor. He did not remain in that lowly state of the human condition. After he died and resurrected, he ascended into heaven and is now seated on the right hand of majesty on high, having finished the paging of our sins, the purification of our sins, the putting away of our sin, the putting away of the condemnation that was due to us because of sin. Glory and honor for even the saints came and has come to us through death. That is how we go to Christ. These saints go to Christ through death. So death serves a different purpose for us now. It is the means of transportation to glory. That's how we get to glory. Because if you don't die, you cannot get there. That's the way to get to Jesus. It's only through death. Understand the connection. Christ came. Let me repeat this. This question. So why did Christ take up human nature? The text says that he, by the grace of God, might test death for everyone. Christ came to us because of the grace of God, which means he was not forced to come. And he came to test death, to experience death for everyone. But we need to have some qualification to that statement because Jesus did not die for all people of all time. It's popular to hear in the teaching in many churches, but that is not correct teaching. Because we know that Jesus himself made a distinction between those that he called the sheep, those that were given him, and those that were not given him, that he called the gods. So there's a distinction. How do we know we belong with the sheep of Christ? We know by faith. We believe in God's testimony about his own son. That's the only way to know. And that ability is God-given. It's not something that you got from anybody. When we look at the teaching of Jesus, we see him praying for his people in John 17. But he did not pray for other people. He even said it himself. I do not pray for these people. I only pray for those that you gave me. Jesus has people that he will say, on the day of judgment, depart from me, you lawless ones. I never knew you. And that means I never loved you. He came to test death for the whole. He came to test death for his people. That is the body of Christ, the assembly of 
the body of Christ, and that is the church. Christ died for his church. Okay? Those that were given him by the Father. And some gospel thinkers say, in verse 9 of Hebrews 2, this is very important. I, I thought that was wonderful. In verse 9 of Hebrews 2, they think that it is better translated as that he, by the grace of God, might test of every death. That by the grace of God, Christ may test of every death. And if that is the proper understanding, then it is very profound. Profound in that Jesus tested every death that may happen and has happened to his people. No one is dying a death that Christ did not experience. That's what that is saying. And that means there's no kind of death that Jesus did not experience spiritually when he died on Mount Calvary. He experienced the death of one who was run over by a car, the death of one who was murdered with a knife, one who was shot with a gun, one dying of sickness, one dying of cancer, of one dying of stroke, of every kind of death. It was all experienced by Christ Jesus. He tested every kind of death. So there's no kind of death that he does, he did not experience and that he does not know. And that means that he does not sympathize with. Christ had an appointment with death. There was and is something about death that is important to God. In the matter of your life and salvation, there's something about it that God himself had to come and deal with it. Because the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of eternal life is Christ. But death is not the judgment of angels. Death is not the judgment of the devil himself. But it's because of sin. And so if there should be life to those who are in sin, there has to be a death that reverses death. There has to be a death that is more powerful than our own death. So we are talking about two kinds of death. You and I are going to experience death. But there is the death of Christ. And the death of Christ is superior. It is more powerful because it redeems, it frees you from the power of the death that came by sin. So there has to be a death that kills death. A death that removes power from death. A death that removes the sting of death. And that is the death of Jesus. And it is the death of Christ alone that is power over the death that we shall experience because we know that Christ resurrected from the dead. He overcame the grave. 
That is why the death of Christ is more important than our own death and has to be celebrated and is the basis of our hope. The death of Christ is our hope. Now here goes thinking about this whole matter. Verse 10, Hebrews 2. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. It was fitting for God the Father for whom are all things and by whom are all things and that means God the sovereign who is the first cause of all things and has determined all things to be what they are in the season of all things, our time of birth, to whom we are born, to the time of our passing and how we pass, all things are ordered by him. It's all ordered by him. He ordered it from since he has been God. By whom are all things? What do you remove from that that he did not order? The text says, by whom are all things? All things are of God. And that means they are ordered by his wisdom and power. And we need to understand that. God's hand is behind everything. All things were made by him. And for him, Colossians 1, 15 and 16, speaking of Christ Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation, and that means the preeminent one over all of God's creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, the visible, the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Those are the ranks of fallen angels, the thrones, the powers, the dominions. Those are fallen angels. Colossians says they were created by Jesus. The devil is included. The devil is not God. The devil has a birth certificate. Okay? He's a creature. God is not losing sleep over the devil. And the text says all things were created through him and for him. So which means the invisible and the visible things were created by Christ Jesus for himself. To do things for him. For his glory. So sickness is for him. For his glory. And death is for him. For his glory. They serve to glorify his name. As it is here and now. We are talking about Jesus. His name is being glorified. The sickness and death of the redeemed. Is not unto condemnation. I need you to understand that. The sickness and death of those who are in Christ is not unto condemnation. They are not being condemned by sickness. They are not being condemned because of sin. Sickness and death for them means something different now because of Christ. Christ has changed their relationship to death. Christ has put himself in their place. He has given his life in their place. He has given himself to be judged for them. So now everything that happens to us is to the glory of God. The redeemed of the Lord do not die. I need to understand this. They don't die. The transition 
from life to life. When you came to America from Zimbabwe, did you die just because you were not in Zimbabwe anymore? Yeah? When Antoine came from Togo, did he die because he came to Wilmington, Ohio? It was a change of address. So the redeemed of the Lord only changed the address. They changed the address. They move from life to life. And you understand that? It's a change of address. It's not death in the way that we think of it. They are still alive, very conscious, even more conscious than you and I will ever be conscious on this side. Okay? So the transition from life to life. So going back to the text of Hebrews 2. So it was fitting for him in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. The many sons of God, the children of God, given to Christ, chosen in Christ, redeemed by Christ, are brought where? What does the text say? They are brought to glory. Do you see where they go? It was fitting for him in bringing many sons to glory, not to suffer, to glory. They are coming to glory. They are going to glory. The children that were given to Christ, redeemed by Christ, are going to glory. That is where they go. So how do they go to glory? From here, through sickness and death. That is their means of exit. There's no one going to purgatory who belongs to Christ. God determined that we should come to glory through our captain. The captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus, the captain is he who steers the ship in the waters. And in the waters there's going to be storms, but the the captain remains with the ship. And if it is necessary, the captain will sink with the ship. But he never abandons the ship. Christ is the captain of our salvation. Okay? So Christ Jesus took up human flesh so that he would be made perfect through sufferings. And to be perfected through sufferings means to experience the human condition, which is something that he would not have experienced as God. Okay? Let's go to verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Christ is he who sanctifies. Christ Jesus, that is, is he who makes holy. Christ is he who makes us holy before God by his own blood. It is he who saved us. And those who are sanctified, those who are set apart by God, are one with Christ. They've been joined together with Christ. And for this reason, Christ Jesus is not ashamed to call them brethren, to call them his brothers and sisters. But remember, this Christ Jesus is God. He's God, and yet he's calling you and I, my brothers and my sisters. He is not ashamed. 
to call us his brothers and sisters. Even in his very exalted status, Christ is being worshipped by all the citizens of heaven, the most majestic of the angels. They worship him. They bow before him. Night and day, they do not stop to praise him. And yet he comes and says, Oh, guess what? You are my brother and my sister. Come here. Yeah? Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. So Christ is a very big brother with all power and authority given him. All power and authority belongs to Christ. It does not belong to the devil. All power is in his hands. So what does big brother say? Verse 12. Hebrews 2. I'll declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of, a, of the assembly, I'll sing praise to you. Christ will declare God's name to his brethren alone and will praise God alone. So we, the brethren of Christ, know the name of God through Christ Jesus and we praise God through Christ Jesus. Verse 13, again, I'll put my trust in him. Christ Jesus put his trust in God the Father even in the days of his flesh. And we also should do the same. Especially in this hour, we have to put our trust in him. I said to Shingi, the one who trusts in the Lord shall not be disappointed. And she nodded with her head. The one who trusts in the Lord shall not be ashamed. Because Christ will never make you feel ashamed. In the day that really matters. Because the day that really matters is coming and you want a Christ Jesus who will not be ashamed to call you his brother or his sister. Verse 14. In it, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. The children have taken flesh and blood, and he, Christ Jesus, likewise shared in the same. Christ Jesus was born of a woman, conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, that is how he shared in the same. He shared in our flesh and blood and yet without sin. But Jesus had a purpose for sharing in our flesh and blood. It was not for him to look cool. Okay, The text says that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil. Did you see that? I need you to understand that. But that's what God is telling you about Jesus and what he did. Jesus took up human flesh that through dying, through the death of the cross, he may destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. 
The devil brought death through the temptation of Eve in the Garden of Eden. This is how sin came through Adam and spread to all men because all sinned in the one man, Adam, that's Romans 5 teaching. So this death that came by the devil through Adam needed to be destroyed. It needed to be removed. It needed to be reversed. And this was the only way for it to be removed by the death. Using the death of Christ to kill death. Even before the cross, the Lord said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That was the defeat of the devil and his minions. The devil could only be defeated for you and I. By the cross of Christ, that's the only way. That's the only way. The devil is one of the most powerful creatures that God has made. He's an extremely powerful angel. If you were to destroy Madison, he could kill everybody in Madison. In less than two minutes, everybody will be dead. That's how powerful. And yet, he has no power over us. Why? Because of Christ. Okay, I need you to understand that. Here, Colossians 2, 13 to 15. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Remember, principalities and powers, these are the horde or the group of fallen angels. That's what principalities and powers are. They are not good angels. And the text says, Christ Jesus made a public spectacle of humiliating them and triumphing over them by the cross. He disarmed the principalities and the powers. And when you get disarmed, it means what? It means your weapons of war have been taken. <laughs> you have been defeated. Your weapons of war have been taken. And you have been made a prisoner to the one who defeated you. And that is what Christ did to the horde of evil forces, principalities and powers, and the devil included in that who is the head over them. Christ triumphed over them. He had victory over them. They are under his feet. Christ was the victor and is the victor over them by the cross. So we need to understand this. That Christ is the victor over death. He is the victor over the devil. He is the victor over sickness as he demonstrated when he was in Palestine. People were coming to him who had all kinds of sickness and he showed his power to say he is the victor over everything and anything that be, that be, devils you and I 
because of sin. Okay. So the devil was overcome by Christ through the death of Christ and so was death. Death could only be removed by the death of Christ. The death of Christ removed the power and judgment of sin because the death of Christ made complete payment for all your sins by which death had power over you. The death of Christ fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law for all the redeemed. And once a prisoner has done their time in prison, the prison officer has no more power over them to detain them. They can't detain one who has been set free. So death has no power or authority to detain those that Christ has set free. Do you understand what I'm saying? Death has no power to detain Shingrai. That's my point. It has no power over her to detain her. His resurrection proved that he had triumphed. He had defeated death on our behalf. We defeated the power of death by the death of Christ and his resurrection. So your death happened in the death of Christ. Your resurrection happened in the resurrection with Christ because the Bible says we died and resurrected with him. Okay. And so Apostle Paul would say, I have been crucified with Christ. This is Galatians 2.20. It's a very popular verse. I've been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I now live in the flesh, in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You need to understand that. It's Christ who lives now. And in Hebrews 2 again, the text says, Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So Christ accomplished that. The devil and death were destroyed because they are central to the conversation of sickness and death. That is why we are talking like this. You need to know that the powers that you are afraid of are powerless because of Christ. So what are the purpose of Jesus doing this? What are we supposed to understand from that verse 15 the text says, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The cross of Christ destroyed death and the devil so as to release, so as to set free those who through fear, fear of death, where all their lifetime subject to bondage 
this is the human condition. This is the human condition, the fear of death, and the resulting bondage that comes from that fear because we are not hearing what God is saying. We are not hearing what God is saying. The fear of death is what we are afraid of. And God says, the fear of death brings what? A lifetime of bondage. Not just a few weeks of bondage, not just a few months of bondage, but a lifetime of slavery. Slavery to fear. Why? Because of ignorance. Because of ignorance of who Christ is and what he did to the things that we are afraid of. These things, unfortunately, are not being taught in many churches. Many churches are busy promoting fear and not courage. Promoting fear instead of hope, instead of life. We need to promote and declare the joy and victory that we have because of Christ. Okay? So what is being taught in a lot of churches is your best life now. God wants you to be happy and stuff. That teaching is false. That teaching is false. Decree and declare whatever you want is going to happen. That's false. That is not the gospel, my dear friends. There's no casting out of fear from that kind of teaching. That kind of teaching will always leave you in bondage to fear because you say something and it doesn't happen, then you're wondering, so what do I do next? What do you do? Do you pray for five hours more? Do you fast for another 45 days? What do you do then? You've come under bondage to fear. You have to understand what God is doing. You have to believe what God is saying. And the gospel of Jesus Christ declares to us that Christ Jesus has set us free from the fear of death because he overcame death. He set us free from the fear of judgment. The reason why we are afraid of death is because we are afraid of judgment. And yet the gospel says there's no more judgment for the people of God. There's no judgment for the people of God because Christ was judged on their behalf already on Mount Calvary. That is what Jesus was suffering for. It was not him being judged for his own sins for he had none. All our sins were judged on him and that judgment, beloved, happened already and God was pleased with it God accepted what Christ did on our behalf and that is why Christ was re resurrected from the dead. Okay? We'll be finishing soon. My beloved, we need to learn the real gospel. We should not be content with just going to church because church cannot save you. When your appointment has come, the church cannot save you because it has no power to save you. We have to know the one of whom we are speaking who overcame death. 
Otherwise, we shall always be subject to fear, especially in sickness and death, because these things show us we have no power over anything. And when we have no power over anything, guess what? We default to fear instead of hope in Christ. Okay? And men and women of religion will lead you in fear because misery loves company. They will make you very religious and cause you to do a lot of things that will not help your situation, will not help your fear. And so we must know Christ and what he did. Antoine knows very well what Ella and I went through in 2008. He is one of the key witnesses of what happened to Ella and myself. Because him and Shingi alone are the two people who came to see us. Because everybody was afraid. I'm not lying. He knows very well. Everybody was afraid because of things that had overtaken us. They did not have fear to come. They did not have fear. And so we come again in this hour and we say no fear. There's no reason for us to be afraid because Shingi is in good hands. She is in the best hands ever. The hands of Christ. She's not going to be lost. She is not going to be lost. She is not going to be lost. Here, this First John 17 to 18. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Did you hear that? Perfect love in Christ means knowing Christ Jesus and what he did and what that means. And that's what casts out our fear because fear involves torment. And what that means is fear involves punishment. So people get afraid because they are afraid of being punished for their sins. And we should know and we need to be reminded that the hope of the gospel is that we shall not be punished for our sins. Shingi will not be punished by God. I even told her tonight after we did our teaching in Romans 8. I said, Shingrai, you shall not be punished by God. I said, it is well, my beloved. You shall not be punished for anything that you ever did wrong. It is well with you. And she said, yes. Not for a single thing. Why? Because she is brethren with Christ. Christ is the advocate. He is the lawyer for all his people. Shingi will not need to speak any word for for herself. Christ is the appointed lawyer for God's people. He is our advocate. The Bible clearly teaches us that. Okay? So Christ, let's hear more understanding. Christ Jesus knows it more than we know her. Christ Jesus knows Shigrai more than all of us combined will ever know her. 
if and when she goes in the time appointed by God, because she will only go in the time appointed by God, not by the doctors, not by the hospital, not by, only in the time that God has appointed. She will go where she is better known and loved than here. That's where she'll go. She'll go to a place where she is known better than here. Where she is loved better than here. Okay? Here this is 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we are not here to speak fear, but life and hope and blessing because of the knowledge of the gospel. We are here to speak of our acceptance and call you and me to boldness to approach the throne of God that we may find help in the time of need. And this is our time of need. Let's have the boldness to go before God and ask for help. Okay, verse 16. That means we have two more verses and we're done. Hebrews 2. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Christ does not give help to the sinful angels. He did not die for them. But he does give help to the seed of Abraham. And that means to all who believe the gospel. They are the children of Abraham. These are the ones that Christ Jesus gives help. And I say, Shingi, Christ will give you help. That is what he does that is why he came he is giving you help now because he said i'll never leave you nor forsake you and she said yes verse 17 therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Christ Jesus had to be made like his brethren, his brothers and sisters in the manner in which he took up human flesh. And of course we always say, but without sin, for another reason other than dying, this is another reason why Jesus came in the flesh that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. Christ is a merciful and faithful high priest. Christ Jesus is full of mercy. He is merciful. We need to know this. We need to be reminded of this. He is merciful towards his people. And what does that mean? It means he will not condemn them because of their sins. He is faithful to keep and hear them in their time of trouble. He hears them. He is merciful in that he will not keep Shingi in unending suffering. Christ will not do that. He is faithful. So, he will not keep her in unending suffering because he loves her. 
Okay? So he is faithful in that he will not lose anyone that belongs to him. He will not lose anyone who belongs to him. I need you to understand that. Christ will not lose any of his sheep. So Shingi cannot be lost to death. It's impossible. She cannot be lost to the devil. It's impossible. She cannot be lost to condemnation. It's impossible. She cannot be lost to hell. It's impossible. Why? Because Christ is standing there. That's what it means to have Christ as your mediator. Christ as your advocate. That's what it means. The only burden that we have is to see her suffer. That's the only burden that we have. That's the only thing that we don't want to keep seeing her go through. The agony of the pain and the weakness of the flesh that is that she's going through. That's our agony. That's our prayer that the Lord will help her manage that. But do not think that she's going to be lost to death. No, she can't be lost to sin, not to condemnation, not to anything. Because Christ himself said he is the good shepherd of the sheep. So he has to bring all his sheep home. So we need to understand this. His faithfulness is in that none of those that were given him by the Father will be lost. Okay? To the young people, even if Andishing goes, she's not being lost. She's not being lost. Do not think that she's being lost. She is actually gaining life. She is not dying. She is going to a better place. The place of life itself. There's no life in this world. There are only mortgages and more mortgages and more mortgages. Shingi is going to the place of life. We should be, at some point, be very happy for her to say, she has found permanent rest. And if God would have us to see, would have us to have a glimpse of his glory to where Shingi will go at some point, even ourselves, if God would open up the heavens here and now, guess what? We would want to go also here and now. To be honest, I'm telling the truth. We would also want to go here and now. But the road there is painful. And it has a lot of thorns as she is experiencing. But we know the way. We know the way. Jesus said, you know the way. He is the way. He is the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. Second Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. I need you to hear this. This is Apostle Paul. He says, therefore we do not lose heart. Did you hear that? Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing because of sickness, 
yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The inward man, the spiritual man, is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So everything that we are seeing happening is all temporal. The real things, the eternal things are those that we cannot see. That's why I said we have to change the conversation to the things that are not seen. Because if we continue to think about the things that are seen, we are going to lose hope. We're going to lose joy instead of celebrating what God has done for us in Christ. Philippians 1, 19-23 For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but with all boldness as always so now also Christ will be magnified in my body whether by life or by death. Can we say this? Can we all say what Paul said? So now also, Christ will be magnified in my body. How? Whether by life or by death. So life or death, Christ is too magnified. Christ will be magnified. And then Paul says, verse 21, for me, for to me, to live is Christ. And to die is a big loss. If I die, it's a big loss. It's a big, big loss. Is that what the text says? No. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. I do not know. I'm in a conundrum. Even though I am dealing with the burdens of this flesh. I know if I live, it is Christ, but if I die, it's much gain for me to die. It's much gain. Can we all say that? For Shingi? That is gain? This is the man who knew Christ. He's saying, no, 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 you don't know. It's gain. If I should die, it's gain for me. I would rather die even now. Here, this is how he finished it. For I am hard-pressed, verse 23, between the two. I am hard-pressed, having a desire to depart. I want to go and be with Christ, which is far better. That's what the text says. I would rather go. Yes, I would love to stick around and have you all guys see me, come hug me. But guess what? There's something better than that. Be with Christ is much better. Be with Christ in Christ, to behold Christ is much better. It is much better. And that's how we have to look at the whole situation. That if on the day that Christ will call Shingrai to himself, know that it's far much better. Know that it's far much better. And there's not a single person who is not on this journey We all have 
our tickets and boarding passes. We have our departure times. The gates may differ. How we get there may differ. Some will go through cancer. Some will go through COVID and have gone through COVID. Some will go some other way. But if they are in Christ, it's far much better. Departing to be with Christ will be sorrowful to us. But we have to change our thinking because we know the truth. We know that it's definitely better. You remember when you came to America, everybody back home was celebrating and talking about it and telling everyone, oh, they are in a better place, better economy, they have a better government, they have better everything, everything is working there in America. And guess what? Maybe they can begin to send me some money because it's better there. It's even better in Christ. So we need to know that. We need to be reminded of that. It's better in Christ. Verse 18, that's our last verse. From Hebrews. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He is able, is the title of our message, he is able. Christ already went through everything and more that Shingi is going through. He tested every kind of temptation and every kind of death. And the result of that is he is able to help those who are tempted. Because I am not able to help Shingi. I love Shingi. Everybody knows that. But I'm not able to help her. We all are here because we love Shingi, but we are not able to help her. The doctors and the nurses are trying to help her, but they are not able to help. But there's one who is able. Christ Jesus is able because of who he is and because of what he did. He is able because he's merciful. I am not merciful. You are not merciful. Christ is merciful, so he is able. Christ is faithful. I am not faithful. You are not faithful. Christ is all that for Shingrai, that we are not. So we leave all that to him because he is faithful and merciful and he is able. Okay? Christ is able. So because Christ is able, let me say something again. Shingi may not be able to speak, verbalize what she's thinking, verbalize what she's feeling. But Christ is able to hear her innermost thoughts that she can't express to us anymore. Christ hears because he's able. So we have to entrust her to her Savior and say, Lord Jesus, here is your person. May your will be done. Romans 8, 31 to 39 is the text that we did that I read to Shingrai verse by verse and explained to her again last tonight. We went through that verse together, verse by verse. And she agreed 
with every line of it. Hear this. Let's go to Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's a rhetoric question. The expected answer is no one. If God, who is greater than all, is for us, who can be against us? The answer is nobody. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up, up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Paul is saying, if God gave Christ to die in our place to save us, how can he fail to give us all these other lesser things? If he has given the best that he has, everything else he is able to freely give us. And then the big question comes, verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who shall accuse you who believe, who shall accuse Shinkrai of any sin? The text says, it is God who justifies. It is God who calls a person as righteous. It is not me. It is not you. It is not the devil. It is not the Pope. It is not anybody. It is God who calls a person righteous based on Christ Jesus. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also reason who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. We spoke to the matter of intercession and said Christ was given as the high priest of his people to intercede for all his people. Even right now I said Christ is making intercession for you. That's what the text says. He is making intercession and there's no intercession that beats the intercession of Christ. The whole world can pray, but they cannot beat the intercession of Christ himself. So we need to be reminded of that. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation. This verse was very important to me and for her to hear. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I said, who's going to separate you from Christ right now? As you are lying on your bed, shall tribulation or distress. Or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or cancer, peril, death, or sword. What shall separate you from Christ? What shall separate me? Is there something able to separate us from Christ? That's what Paul is saying. As it is written, verse 36, For your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all the things that we are going through, we are more than conquerors. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, no height, no depth, no any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. There is nothing that is able from the visible things to the invisible things that is able to separate us. So our perspective of the situation needs to rise to this. We have to be the people of faith 
but faith that is based on the truth of God. Faith that is based on knowledge and understanding. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And because of Christ, we are more than conquerors. And that's the message that the Lord has given me to come and share with you and also with me for the sake of Shingarai, for the sake of the children, for the sake of myself. Because I needed to say all these words because Shingi cannot say them. God has appointed me to come and speak these words in your hearing because I know Shingi used to come to my teachings. Yeah? And Antoine too when we in Columbus. I've had these guys in this Christian journey. They've been with me. Okay? So I'm very thankful Antoine has seen the grace of God working in everything that has happened also to me in my journey when everything looked like I had been destroyed. And here I am. I'm telling you the faithfulness of God. Okay? I wanted us to sing one song. I wanted us to sing one song if we could. It is war with my soul. I'm sure everybody is able to sing that. It is well with my soul. Because I send this, the text of this message to Shingi a few days, maybe a week ago. I said, read the words of this just to be reminded. To say, it is well with my soul. You can find it on your phone. If you Google, you can find it. It is well with my soul. And I'm going to begin and you join me. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows wrong, whatever my Lord thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet. Though trials should come, let these blessed hours control. That Christ has regarded my helpless state and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well 
With my soul, with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, all the bliss of this glorious my sin not in part, but the whole is near to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. It is well. My soul, it is well, it is well with my soul, and Lord has the day when my face shall be signed. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are done.